0: what about? This is the second installment of a two-week series. Last week, what about signs and wonders? I hope you guys really appreciated that message. Today, what about miracles? Uh, Is God still doing miracles? The answer is absolutely yes, and many of you might be a miracle yourself. Uh, We see miracles of God all the time. In fact, I kind of feel like what you guys have been given to the campaign has been a miracle. We were trying to raise $500,000 in five weeks. And last week I announced to you that we, I think brought in 690,000 thousand dollars. That's ridiculous. That's like a miracle to me because when I came into the office uh Monday after last Sunday, I come to find out that now we have $713,000 to do our renovations. God is just amazing. To me, that's a miracle. But as we talk about the miracles in the Bible, how are we supposed to think about them? Well, if you go to the Old Testament, there are probably 39 miracles I've counted. Now, if you Google it, you'll see people say there's 150,000 miracles or there may be 75 miracles. So how you count them matters. I count 39 miracles in the Old Testament, but you can count them differently. For instance, uh, the 10 plagues in Exodus, I count that as one miraculous event, the 10 different plagues. Some people count each plague as a different miracle. So there're different ways to count miracles, but by and large 39 miracles in the Old Testament. Now, when you get to the New Testament, you have all kinds of miracles. You have the miracles of Jesus in the Gospels. You have the miracles of the book of Acts where that is a transitional book from the Gospels to the Epistles, and then you have the miracles in the Epistles from the apostles who are writing letters about the things that God has done. Of course, you have miracles in the book of Revelation. And so what miracles can we talk about today? Well, I'm gonna hone in today's message to talk about miracles of Jesus. What kind of miracles did Jesus do? And how can you connect with Jesus with regard to miracles in your life? Well, first of all, let me talk about the two motivations of Jesus doing miracles. Then I'll talk about the two models of how he does miracles. And then we'll, we'll tie it all together and we'll talk about the, the methods of how he does miracles. But let's first talk about the two motivations. In other words, what motivates Jesus to do a miracle in your life? Well, when you look at scripture, we find that Jesus is motivated to do miracles because of one, he is moved by compassion or two, he's responding to or inspiring faith, compassion and faith. And we can find this all throughout scriptures, but let me, it's through scripture, but let me just give you a couple of examples so you can see it. For instance, in Luke chapter 9, we see the healing of the boy who had an evil spirit, and it says in verse 38, uh, Luke 9, 38, a man in a crowd called out, teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. I beg you to look at him. Okay, so Jesus heard this man begging him, and of course, Jesus does cast the spirit Out of this man, we also see it with the woman who had uh, the issue of blood, and he says to her, "Your faith has made you whole." We also see it in Luke 17, the ten lepers. You you kind of see compassion and uh, uh, faith coming together because here you have this one leper saying. Have mercy on us, have mercy, have pity on us, pity, compassion, mercy, have pity on us. And so then Jesus heals the 10 lepers, which I'm going to preach about at another time, but he heals the 10 lepers. One comes back and Jesus says something very interesting to him. He says, rise and go, your faith has healed you. And so when Jesus does a miracle, he's doing it because he's responding to faith or he's inspiring faith. He's also doing it because his heart is moved with compassion. So the next time you need a miracle, plead with God and say, God, I I need this miracle in my life. God responds with pity, with mercy, with compassion. He needs to know that you need the miracle. If it's more like, you know, God, if you can do this for me, that'd be great, then you don't need a miracle. Have you ever needed a miracle? You knew somebody that was, that was dying. You knew somebody that had a disease. You had a, a real estate deal and you didn't have enough money for it. You were about to move into a house, but then things fell apart. I mean, when you when you need a miracle, your marriage is about to fall. Your kid is strung out on, on drugs. You've got a prodigal son or daughter. You're trying to figure it out. God, would you save my son before my son goes over the edge? Would you save my granddaughter before my granddaughter goes over the edge? It's not a, oh, and if you think about it, Lord, no. When you need a miracle, you know how to cry out to God. And when you you cry out to God; He feels you. When's was the last time you cried out to God for a miracle because you knew that you needed Him to feel you? There was a woman who had this issue of blood, and she broke through this crowd and she touched the hem of His garment. He felt the power go out of her. That woman needed a miracle in her life. Jesus wants people that needs Him, not people who just tolerate Him. <laughs> He wants people that actually need his wonderful working power, not just somebody who can tack on in Jesus' name to a prayer. That's religion. We're not talking about magic. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about somebody that actually needs God. God comes for people who need him, not for people who don't. If you don't need God, it's because you are the God of your own life. But when you realize you're in a situation where you need God, then you cry out to God and God does miracles for people who need them. He has compassion. He has mercy. And he responds to faith. You see, you can't just say, God, give me a miracle, but I really don't believe you're going to do it. God doesn't respond to that. God says your faith has made you whole to this woman who touched the hem of his garment. God said to the man who uh, had a centurion, uh, a soldier that was dying in Luke chapter seven, uh, the centurion sent some elders to Jesus and said, Jesus, could you come to my house and heal my servant? And and, uh, as Jesus was on his way to the house, he sent some friends to catch up with Jesus and says, you know what? Tell Jesus he doesn't even need to come. If he'll just say the word, I know that my servant will will be healed. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, I have not seen this great of faith in all of Israel. This Roman centurion had enough faith to believe that all I had to do was speak it out and it would be done. It's the only miracle actually we see where Jesus is actually speaking and doing a miracle without being present. It's the only one. And so the Roman centurion said, you know what? You don't even have to come all the way to my house. All you gotta do is speak it and my servant will be made whole. And that is the kind of faith that Jesus responds to. We talked about the two motivations, compassion and faith. But let's talk now about two models, if you will. What what kind of miracles uh, does does Jesus do? Well, when we look at the miracles of Jesus, they can fall into two categories, two models, two modes, if you will. One, nature miracles. Two, healing miracles. Now, out of all the miracles Jesus did, How many of you you could guess how many were nature and how many were healing? Did he do more nature miracles or did he do more healing miracles? Well, I told you that there were 39 Old Testament miracles. Guess how many miracles of Jesus are in the New Testament? 27, if you count the resurrection. Think about it. How many books are in the Old Testament? 39. How many books are in the New Testament? 27. Add it up together and you get 66 books. So in the Old Testament, we have 39 miracles. In the New Testament, with Jesus's miracles, there are a total of 26. If you add the resurrection, it's 27. Now, if you break the miracles of Jesus down, you break them into these two models or modes or categories, and one is nature, the other is healing. Let me just tell you so you don't have to try to figure it out. Nine of the miracles are nature miracles. So the rest of them are all healing miracles. Think about that for a second. The miracles that Jesus does, he does more uh, for us than he does uh, for nature, although he does natural miracles. There are, there are nine that he's done, like, you know, calming of the sea or the multiplying of the loaves and the fish. But 27 of his miracles, his healing miracles, are touching people or speaking into their life. Let me give you a few. Let's think about this. Jesus kind of does it in two ways. He does miracles by touch or miracles by speech. Which one do you think Jesus does more of? If you were to count all his miracles in in the New Testament, his healing miracles in the New Testament, do you think he does more miracles by speaking or miracles by touching? What do you think? Talk to somebody near you, maybe you can even text text it and put it in the chat box, all right, all right. because I'm about to tell you, ready? All right, if you count up all the miracles, healing miracles of Jesus that were spoken out of the 27, 12, 12 were by word, where Jesus would just speak it like the centurion in Luke chapter seven. You just speak it and my servant is healed. The other ones, the ones by touch, It's 14. If you count the resurrection, it makes it 15. Now, you've heard me say a couple of times, if you count the resurrection, I'm going to explain that in a second, but the touch ones are like John chapter nine. Remember the man that was born blind and he touches the dirt, he puts it in his eye. And if you read that text, everybody's trying to figure out why was this man born blind? God wanted to glorify himself through this man's life. And so after he did all this and after he went through the drama of trying to explain, I once was blind, now I see. You can interrogate my parents. You can interrogate anybody you want. I don't have all the theological answers. All I know, once I was blind, now I see. You got a problem, you go talk to that one, right? And so they had a problem with Jesus, but this man put his faith in Jesus. And as a result, it says in that chapter that he actually placed his faith in Jesus because of this. Remember, I said two motivations, compassion and faith. This man comes to know the Lord because he healed him. You know, sometimes you're asking God, God, would you please save this person that I love? Maybe part of saving them is, God, would you do a miracle in their life so they can actually see that it's unmistakably you? Sometimes what you pray is, I don't even know how you say it. You just say, God, my, my parent, my daughter, my friend, I don't want them to be hurt, Lord. But if you can put them in a situation where they actually need to cry out for a miracle and then, God, if you would do that miracle so that so that they would know it's unmistakably you. I'd be forever grateful. That's a good way to pray, isn't it? Pray that God does a miracle in someone's life so that it's unmistakably God showing up. And they're going to come to you and say, I believe. (laughs) And you say, that's why God does miracles. Jesus would do miracles, not only out of compassion, but because he wanted to inspire faith. And there are people who say, I believe, because they see the movement of God that is beyond our human ways. Now, by speech, boom, he can just say it. The world was created because God simply said, let there be light, and there was light. Let the sky separate from the ground. he just say it and it would happen. And so the power of words is life and death. That's what the scripture says. The words that you use can be miracles. What you say can come to pass. If you tell yourself you're stupid long enough, you'll actually start to believe it. If you tell lies long enough, you'll actually start to believe it. If you say negative things long enough, you'll actually start to believe it. But if you say the scriptures and if you speak the truth and if you speak life in the people, people might actually start believing that they are fearfully and wonderfully made, that they are a delight to God, that God does love them and he doesn't hate them. You can speak life or you can speak death. How do you use your words? You can use words to build people up or you can use words to tear people down. What has God done? God has used words to give us life and to give us life more abundantly. God speaks into our lives to lift us up and inspire us to faith. And we are supposed to be like God and emulate what he's called us to do. And he says, reckless reckless words will pierce like a sword the proverb says but but when you use kind words it can actually turn wrath away it says in proverbs 15:1 a, a, a gentle answer can turn away wrath and we're living in a day where there's so much wrath there's so much revenge there's so much envy there's so much hate and god hates Hate (laughs) and hate speech is not of God. It doesn't matter whether you say you're a Christian or not. If you are a person who speaks hate, you're not speaking life. You're speaking death. And if you're speaking death, you're on the side of death, not on the side of life. Don't allow the enemy to use your mouth to do his dirty work. Allow God to use your mouth to do his blessing on the earth. And so the way that Jesus would bless people is he would use his speech to bring healing to their life. Can you use your speech to bring healing to the lives of other people? Do you use healing words or hurting words? Hmm. But Jesus also touched people. And actually, it's it's the touch of God that that is more miracles than the spoken word. Now, it's close. It's about 50-50. About 12 of those miracles would be spoken by Jesus, healing miracles we're talking about, and 14 of them would be with touch. So it's almost 50-50, but for those of you who chose touch, you win, all right? And we see it like the man born blind, the woman with the issue of blood, and that gets us up to 26 if you say 12 and 14. But remember, I'm adding one, and that's the resurrection resurrection. resurrection. Why is that an issue? Some theologians don't believe that Jesus was a participant in his resurrection. So if you believe that, then you can't count that as a healing miracle of Jesus. I, on the other hand, believe that Jesus had a part in his own resurrection. Yes, the Father will raise me up. But there are passages where Jesus would say, uh, you know what? This temple could be destroyed and I'll raise it up and I'll raise it up in three days. Jesus speaking about himself in John chapter two or in John chapter 11. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And so there are other passages where Jesus clearly says, I can lay my life down, John 10, and I can, I can uh, bring myself back to life. And so I say the resurrection is the final healing miracle of Jesus. And the reason why that's so awesome is because if you have 39 Old Testament miracles and then you have 27 miracles, healing miracles of Jesus, and the last one is the resurrection, which makes number 27, which is the same number of books in the New Testament, I just think it's cool, that's all. I just think it's cool. And so he's like, okay, the last miracle I'm gonna give you, yeah. They're going to string me up. They're going to crucify me. I'm going to bleed all over the place. My mama's going to cry. It's going to be a bad Friday. And then Saturday, it's going to be quiet, but I'm going to be doing stuff in the underworld that you know nothing of because I got to handle some stuff with the enemy. But then early on Sunday morning, I'm going to rise again from the dead. And that resurrection would be the last mic drop of the century. Boom, he rises again from the dead. I just think that that would be like the coolest healing miracle ever of Jesus while he was on the earth. But we talked about the motivations of him doing healing miracles. We've talked about the the models and the sort of the way he does it, the methodology of spoken or touch. Now what I want to do is give you just a few practical applications. When I think about miracles, how how do I integrate this into my own life, into my own walk as a believer? Well, one, I'll give you A, B, C. One, ask God for a miracle. Ask God for a miracle. And again, we're not asking him for a miracle just because we wanna see tricks. That's not the issue. We ask God for a miracle when we need it. The question is, do you need a miracle? When you do, ask God. Don't ask God to be a magician. Don't ask God to be a genie but ask him to be a miracle worker. And if you need him, he'll do it. That's the first. Here's the second one, I said A, B, C. Here's the second one, be a miracle for, uh, for other people. You know, the other day we were in New York, as I may have mentioned, and uh, we were at a rest stop, and. Uh Giannis Fonseca was driving and Ronald Green, our music director, was in the passenger seat. And as we were in this vehicle, we were about to, to leave. We had our masks on and everything. And we hear this, this guy knocking on the window. I'm sitting in the back and he's knocking on Ronald's window. And Ronald looks at first and he's like, do I let the window down? Do I open the door? What do I do? And so he opens the door and the man's like, uh, do you have anything for me to eat? Do you know that Ronald, he says whenever he goes to New York, he likes to go to this bakery called Mag- Magnolia or something like that. Okay. It was fine. I mean, but it's kind of like a tradition of his. Okay. So he got me some cake and it was pretty stale and crummy. But anyway, that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is Ronald had a couple of these cakes and this homeless guy, he thought about it. He goes, you know what? Here. He gives the guy the cake and the guy walks off. And Janice says, you know, That guy could have been praying for food. And in a sense, we could have been the miracle for him. Think about it, he could be praying for food and then when we obey God and and, and are compassionate like he is and merciful like he is and gracious like he is, he could be using us to be an answer to somebody else's prayer. And so when we give food to somebody who's been praying for food, guess what? We're the miracle. They're walking away and we don't even know that guy could have been. I don't know. He could have been praying for cake. He could have been like, Lord, I've been hungry all day, but I sure like a piece of cake. (laughs) I mean, we don't know the story, but it's not far fetched. Could it be that he said, you know, I just I haven't had sweets in a long time. I would love a piece of cake. People have been throwing me fries. But I love a piece of cake. Well, not any cake. You're gonna get this Magnolia dried up crummy cake. All right, so <laughs> it's actually expensive and really good for people who like it. But here's the bottom line. How was praying for cake? How he was praying for dessert? Guess what? We could have been a miracle for him. It may not look like anything for us. It's just natural for us. It's a miracle for him. Can I tell you something? God doesn't really do miracles. Did you know that? Because he's God. There's no such thing as a miracle to God because God's just being himself. (laughs) And so you're just being yourself, being generous. But to that person, it's a miracle to God. Humans call it miracles. Jesus never says, guess what? I'm going to do a miracle. No, because for God, it's not a miracle. It's his nature. He's just being God. It's a miracle to us, not to him. So, yeah, we ask God for a miracle, But we can be a miracle for other people if we'll just live out the nature of God in us. God is simply living out his nature. He's not saying I'm going to go around and do miracles. He's just going to go around and be God. And we don't have to go around and say we're going to be a miracle. All we have to do is really just be like God and we will be a miracle to someone who's been praying for encouragement, for hope, for inspiration, for money for reconciliation, for unity, for healing in their body. So A, B, C, ask for a miracle when you really need it. Be a miracle for someone else. And here's the final thing, chase God, don't chase miracles. Don't chase signs and wonders, chase God. You know, my dad, uh, when he was living, he would come home. He was a federal government worker and he would come home uh, every day around, I don't know, six or seven o'clock. And and he would bring home these little uh, (laughs) diabetic brownies, they were like tan peanut butter color brownies with little chocolate chips and it was wrapped in, in plastic and he would have it in his briefcase and he'd walk through the door. And you know, I'm this little chubby kid and he would, he would. I say, welcome home daddy, so good to see you daddy, it's good to see you too son. Mwah. And here, and he'd give me that little brownie and I would just love it and I'd eat it all up. And you know, it was like a diet brownie but I didn't know the difference between diet and non-diet, it was just good and I was eating it, mm, it was so good. And he'd come home the next day and he would bring home that brownie. That is so good to see. Him. But my father recognized something was going on in my spirit. My dad recognized that as he was continually continually bringing me treats home. He realized that one day he he had forgotten or he didn't have time or whatever. He didn't bring the treat. And the first thing I was looking for when he came in the door was the treat. You see, I had gotten conditioned to to want the gift, not necessarily the giver. I was chasing the treat and not chasing the God of the treat, which was my dad in that moment. And this is what we do to God. We say, God bless us. God bless us. We get used to his grace. We get used to his mercy. We get used to his goodness. And then when that goodness is taken away for half a second, we become mad at God and disinterested. God is saying, don't chase the Gifts I give you, chase me, the gifts come with me. But when you start focusing on the gifts and the treats and not me, you've broken relationship with me and you've broken my heart. You know, I was watching this, um, you know how you watch on Netflix and stuff, and I won't name the name of the show because I don't want y'all to be mad at me or nothing like that. So, but I do watch some good stuff. Okay, and so this is about a drug dealer. And he had this gal that he really liked, and so they got into this relationship. And he would just be all over her like, I just love you. You're so great. Mm, right. And then he would give her a fix. He'd give her some drugs and she would take these drugs and she would be high. And so the relationship is she would call and text and he would come and, 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 and they'd hug each other and, and do all that stuff. Right. And then uh, he would give her a fix. Well, one day he showed up and she didn't have uh, he didn't have a fix. He couldn't get the drugs. But he thought that she'd still want to see him. And so he's like, I love you, I love you, I love you. And she said, yeah, I love you too. Do you you have the drugs? He's like, nah, baby, I really couldn't get it. And he looked at it and goes, is that the only reason why you want to see me? She said, no, 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 I, I really want to see you. But he was hurt because he realized that that was the truth. She may have loved him at one time, but what happened was she got so used to the fix that she was no longer truly clear in her motivation for the fellow. And what we do sometimes is we cry out to God because we need a fix. We need we need a fix from God, and so God fixed me, and so we go to God when we need to be fixed. We go to God when we want to fix, but we don't just go to God because we want to be with God. He wants to know, do, do you want to just be with me, or do you want to be with my stuff? Do you want to just be with me, or do you just want to fix? I mean, do we have a relationship, or is it all about a transaction of me being the God that delivers for you, your promise keeper, your your, your miracle worker? Uh, is that what it is? You, you you just want to praise me, and so I'll continue to bless you. Uh, how? about if I don't bless you anymore? How about if I don't do a miracle anymore? Will you turn from me then? That was the issue with Job. The devil said, yeah, you take all the goodies away from Job. Take away his house. Take away his children. Take away his health and see what happens. Well, we know what happened. Job still stayed faithful to God. It was tough, but he still stayed faithful to God. God was doing it because he was proving to the enemy that Job wanted him more than he wanted the other stuff. If God were to say, go ahead and test my servant David, Andrew, test my servant Alex, Stephanie. And the devil says, yeah, I'll test, I'll test them, I'll test them, but you know they're going to turn from you if I take away their health. They're going to turn from you if they can't pay their mortgage. They're going to turn from you if they don't get what they want. God says, Mm-mm. not this one. Because they're faithful in that they love me more than they love the goodies. Can I ask you that question? Do you love God more than you love the goodies that God brings? If that answer is yes, then you're on the right track. You're going to be a miracle for someone this week. If the answer is no, then this is the moment where you repent and say, God, forgive me because we've all been there. I've been more for the goodies sometimes than I've been for the God. Now you got to ask yourself the question, what state are you in now? I'm not talking about where you were 10 years ago or 10 months ago or 10 days ago. What about right now? God. Goodies. God goodies choose God chase God and guess what happens to the goodies they come with them let's pray heavenly father we thank you that you are the miracle worker we ask you that you would forgive us for when we get all mixed up and all we want is a fix all we want is goodies Lord, help us to be faithful to you in all things and forgive us when we've not been. And Lord, for those that may not know you in the pardon of their sins, maybe they've never trusted you as their Lord and Savior. May they make you Lord today by praying and inviting you into their life. If you wanna know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Forgive me for my sins. Lord, be a miracle in my life by saving me right now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.